Veritatem facientes in caritate. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. There is a fundamental principle that rules, governs Christian activity, conditioning its value in the eyes of God. This fundamental principle is constantly taught by our superiors, by our priests, by the Institute Spirituality. And we all know the motto, living the truth in charity. But very often we consider only the external aspect of it, its extrinsic meaning or application. But we forget what is the internal, intrinsic application. We often use it in a very correct and Salesian way to explain that the truth has to be taught, proclaimed, and defended with charity. But we remain in that dual relation, me versus others, me in my relation with the society. However, there is only, I think, a consequence. This is only a consequence, an effect of the underlying fundamental principle of the theology of St. Paul. As we approach the Lenten season, time for self-reformation, conversion or reconversion, let us see how we can apply this adage to ourselves with a more intrinsic, internal view in the relation between me and my nature as human being, between me and my supernature according to the life in grace. Three words, veritatem, the truth, caritate, charity, and facientes, which often has a translation that does not encompass fully the Latin meaning, to practice, to accomplish, which of course does not only refer to proclaiming the truth. Three points, therefore, for our sermon today. First, our spiritual life can only be maintained in us through human acts, facientes. These acts must be animated by sanctifying grace, veritatem, and they must be reported to God through caritate, through charity, veritatem facientes in caritate. Thus, faith, says St. James, if it has not de no deeds to shew for itself, has lost its own principle of life. This first part is easy to understand. Necessity of works. In the work of our salvation, deeds are essential for every life. Our Lord affirmed that the kingdom of heaven will not give entrance to every man who calls me master, master, but only to the man that does the will of my Father who is in heaven. What we do should only be the concretization of what we believe, what we have learned, what we know to be good for us. Christ, says St. Paul, wins eternal salvation for all those who render obedience to him. But what deeds should we accomplish? What kind of works should we perform? What should be the nature of our actions? Veritatem facientes. Practice. Leave the truth. They should be true works. Now, when is an object true? I can affirm that gold is true gold when the reality, the object itself, 
is in perfect accordance with what the definition of gold encompasses. Otherwise, this is just fake, false gold, a mere copy, a mere imitation of what real gold is. A human work is said to be true when the action is done according to all the properties that make it human, reason, will, and freedom. If these conditions are not all present, then it is a false human act. Something is missing. It, I lie to myself in a way. And this implies, of course, a lot of consequences for more moral life. The specificity of our actions, actions wanted by God, our Creator, relies on their humanness, the fact that they are human, accomplished by a free creature, with the will enlightened by reason. And sin comes into play when my reason is no more considering the divine will as motive and, and guide. And Don Marmion, this monk from the 20th century, to conclude, it is this feature of human acts, fully free, but in accord with our nature and the final end of our creation, and morally good in consequence, which ought to be the primary mark of our works in the sight of God. He who says that he knows him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. An act, as you know, is morally good when confirmed to right reason, and reason as subject to the divine will of God, which is manifested through natural law and positive law established by men. Here we see right away, if we push the reflection further, that sin deforms, destroys nature, <coughs> because my works, my deeds, do not reflect anymore what my nature claims for its full blossoming. A sinner, a great sinner, is ugly, repulsive. He does not look human anymore in the sight of God, but also in the sight of his fellow men. But with grace, grace, with sanctifying grace, the one who once was a big sinner can now restore his humanness and the soul shines with a new splendor. Veritatem facientes in caritate. Grace and charity intimately related to each other. In fact, what is the only theological virtue I lose, I lose if I commit only a mortal sin? Charity. I lose charity with sanctifying grace. Again, the blessed Don Marimu explained that clearly with his spiritual genius. In caritate, in charity, which is to say, first and foremost, in that fundamental, essential charity which makes us relate entirely to God, finding in Him the supreme good we prefer to any other good. This is a description of the fruit of the grace which makes us pleasing to God to the point of being His children. It is true that supernatural charity is not grace, but the two always go together, grace and charity. The charity of God is poured forth in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us, as we read in the Bible. And sanctifying grace does not remove nature, but it presupposes nature. To give you an analogy, an example, 
Think of an electric bicycle. The little motor propels the bike to assist the rider's pedal power. Sanctifying grace becomes the source of all human activities, without which, without which, one cannot produce any supernatural act, act that would have some meritorious proportion to the bliss of eternal life. In the state of grace, sin, sorry, in the state of grave sin, one can perform good actions with some merits in the wider sense of the word merit, maybe receiving graces of conversion, of amendment, of atonement. But only sanctifying grace can give to our life its significance, its value in the sight of our eternal beatitude. If I do not have charity and consequently sanctifying grace, I have become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And if you are a bit familiar with orchestra music, a brass or a cymbal cannot go unnoticed. Think of the end of the fourth symphony of Tchaikovsky. If you don't know this symphony, I invite you to listen to it. The few, the last minutes of this fourth symphony from Tchaikovsky. And it's very clear the purpose of this brass. Man, in fact, can do a lot. He can get restless in many activities, in generous activities, in incredible actions, in great efforts, in numerous prayers, charities, friendships, studies. But if no true supernatural charity, if no sanctifying grace, no merit for heaven. Lent will start very soon. And I think this could be our motto for our wandering of the desert. Veritatem facientes in caritate. Truth in my words, acting according to my nature with reason, will, and freedom, by rectifying my actions if they are against what my reason teaches me, by judging the smallest daily works under the light of the good, by keeping in my soul as my most precious treasure, charity, which arises with sanctifying grace, God can abide in me and me in Him, and one day to be united with Him for all eternity in a perfect and everlasting act of love. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.